next on Contemplate. If we love our neighbor as ourselves, we'll serve our neighbor and lift our neighbor up. Why would we do that? Because that's what we'd want for ourselves. So if we're loving them like we love us, we would treat them like we would want to be treated. It's not complicated to understand, but it's incredibly complicated to do. That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, and this is Contemplate. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Great to have you along today for part six in our podcast series, What's Your Unique? We sure do live in a crazy world, don't we? Seems like everyone tries to elevate themselves above everyone else in one way or another. We see it all the time at work, school, in relationships, and the truth is, it's just all nonsense. And Jesus has the answer. Please get out your Bibles as we join Pastor David Robinson with today's lesson recorded live at Acts Church. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about how Jesus Christ turned the world upside down when it comes to the value of individuals, the value of individuals and the lies that culture has believed about the value of individuals one to another, how we view each other. And and this has implications for individual members of the body of Christ and for the church as a whole. Okay? Have you ever been with, with someone who made you feel like they believed they were better than you? Just someone who made you feel like they thought they were above you? Maybe they even said that they were above you? Not just like I'm better at basketball or chess or geography, but I'm just better than you. You ever been around somebody like that? Have you ever tried to make someone else feel like you were better than them ever in your life? You ever competed with somebody for someone else's attention or affection? Maybe that's uh, you're romantically attracted to the same person, and so there's kind of this competition that's happening. You try to make that person look worse, and you look better. Maybe there's a boss, and you're vying for a promotion. You try to make that person look worse, and you look better. We've probably all, I say probably, but I know we all, have experienced feeling inferior and probably superior to others. We've probably experienced both of those things. Um, There's a story about a guy who um, had, he went into the hospital, he's in a coma. And the doctors come out and they say um, to the family members, you know, he's going to need a brain transplant. And of course, you know, they're upset. They're crying. It's, it's a big deal. He says, listen, we can do the procedure. We think it's going to work, but you're going to have to pay for the brain. Okay? There's, you know, we have donors. You have to pay for the brain. And they, well, okay, doctor, how much is that going to cost? The doctor says, well, we have a number of brains. Several of them are from Washington Huskies football fans. Several of them are from Oregon Ducks football fans. And uh, so they said, well, well, what's the difference? They said, well, it's just really a price difference. The Oregon Ducks... Football fans' brains are $100,000. The Washington Huskies football fans' brains are $20,000. Well, you know, they're, they're thinking about it. They're, they're working through it. And, and one of the, the little girl says to the doctor, why, why is there a difference in price? The doctor says, well, it's just really a standard pricing procedure. We had to mark the Washington Husky brains down because they'd actually been used. <laughs> As I'm going through it, everyone's kind of, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen here. The Oregon Ducks 
people feeling uh, maybe a little superior when the brains are worth more than when the punchline comes. Maybe the Washington Huskies people are feeling a little superior than those of you who didn't laugh and have heard the joke before are feeling a little bit superior about the fact <laughs> that you had heard it before. We got superiority complexes going crazy in here, right? Right? Um, so here's the deal. We've probably all heard the word self-esteem before, right? Our society has been wrapped up in the issue of self-esteem and how to improve self-esteem for people for a long time now. And what is self-esteem? What is it? Esteem comes from a Latin word meaning value. Okay, esteem comes from a Latin word meaning value, and self means self. Okay, so self-value or self-worth. What's my value? What am I worth? What am I worth? What, what, what is it that makes me valuable or not valuable? The world has a system for determining value. And that system, what it does is it values all people from the greatest to the least. Everybody fits on the line, this vertical line, somewhere. You're either superior to someone or inferior to someone. You can see the slide here. Somewhere on that line, the world says, you fit. You fit somewhere. You're inferior to some. You're superior to others. Whoever the greatest one is is at the top, and whoever the least is is at the bottom. You get to feel more valuable the more people that you can see as inferior to yourself. You feel less value the more you see people as superior to yourself. This is the system that the world has created for you to determine what your value is. And we wonder why people have a problem with self-esteem. Many people spend their lives trying to play this game, trying to step on others to climb up the vertical line towards superiority and greatness based on where they compare to other people. You'll notice I referred to this as the world system. I didn't say it's the American system or the Western system. This is the world system, and it's old. It's an old system. It's been around for a very long time. How old is it? Let's look. Let's look at the scripture. Let's go to Genesis 3. If you have your Bibles, you can check it out there. If not, it'll be up on the screen, or you can use your mobile device. Let's walk through it, okay? Starting in verse 1, we're going to go through verse 7. Now, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Her husband also ate, by the way, guys. Um, that's the next part. But what did, what did Eve want here? What was the serpent tempting her to? You will be like God. Prior to this, there's no vertical line. Everyone was cool. Adam and Eve knew each other to be equals. They're hanging out. They're partners. They're helping one another. They know where God stands. There's no line that they can get up to to be with God. That's not what they're trying to do. He's him. He's, he's God. They're them. And then here comes the serpent. 
and says, hang on a second. There's a line. There's a line. And you can, by doing this thing, by eating this fruit, you can jump up and be superior. You can be more superior than you are, greater than you are, more valuable than you are if you do this thing. It's quite a temptation. And of course, before that, we have Satan himself falling to the same exact issue. I can be greater than God. It didn't work out well for him. Again, there's a book. Um, You can read it in. The whole superior, inferior thing is as old as the oldest sin. It's as old as the fall of Satan and the fall of humans. But at least when Jesus came, this whole thing stopped, right? I mean, his disciples didn't act like that, did they? Let's, let's look at a few more passages of Scripture to get an idea. Luke 9, 46 through 48, it says, Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. The disciples are trying to rate themselves as to each other, right? Which of them is the greatest? Who's higher up on the superiority line? Jesus goes, whoop, and flips the whole thing on them. He says, this is your culture, this is what you believe, but I'm flipping it. It's radical, it's world-changing stuff. Jesus is saying that the world has it wrong. Value is not based on how many people you are above. You would think that such a radical lesson would sink in. But the next passage I'm going to read takes place the Last Supper, after Jesus has just instituted the Lord's Supper and instituted communion, okay? He's about to die. He's telling them, I'm about to give my life, my body broken, my blood spilled for you. And the next thing it says is this, Luke 22, 24 through 27. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. That's where they go. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater than, who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus is saying, listen, guys. You clearly don't get it. I've been showing you this. I've been modeling this. I've been preaching this and telling you this. And yet, here you are still trying to figure out who you can claw your way over to be greater, to be superior. And I'm telling you, that's not how it works. You say the one who sits at the table is higher than the servant who serves. And yet, what am I doing who am clearly the only one who is the greatest? I'm here as one who serves. And of course, he served to the uttermost, given his life, right? Jesus explained that what they're doing now is what the world does. It's what the world does, lording authority and superiority over people. It's not God's way. It's the world's way, right? Jesus showed them that serving is greatness. Serving is greatness. Okay. Now, for them to understand that, just like for us to understand it, is tough. We simply are not hearing this 
or seeing it from the world, at school, at work, wherever we're going. This is not the system we're seeing, where service is what's good. What we're seeing constantly, constantly, constantly is that we're caught up in a system where we either step on this one or this one steps on us. And how we feel about our value is going to be dependent on, at any time, how we see ourselves on that ladder, on that vertical line. Let's tie this into Scripture so we can see how Scripture is telling us to do away with this vertical view of value, okay? Um, here's Last week, we, we read Romans 12, 2, talking about progressive transformation, right? It said, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, okay? That's one verse. The next verses, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Now here's what's important. Let's tie, these, let's tie last week and this week together. Here's what's important. Part of being transformed by the renewing of our minds is not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. It's not to think of ourselves as above. Not to think of ourselves as superior. We're told to think soberly about ourselves, which suggests what? That when we think too highly of ourselves, we're drunk. We're off base. We're thinking crazy. Think soberly, and you will not try to put yourself up. You won't be thinking about up. That won't be what you're thinking about. Instead, as he goes on to say, we're a body with many members. We can't be a body if we're constantly trying to be above the other parts of the body. That's not one. That's not a unified body. It's not a body that's in one accord. Can't happen. So part of transforming your mind is to stop thinking of people as pegs on a vertical line. Because they're not. They're not. You remember the greatest commandments? Let's look at let Matthew chapter 22. Verses 34 through 40 says this. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, go figure, Asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Listen, this sets it out pretty clearly. Pretty clearly, right? We are first to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Okay? He is here. He's God. He created everything. We're not competing with him, right? No one wants to get in that fight. It's a loser, I promise you. We're not competing with him, but we do tend to try to compete with each other. And the second is like the first, we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, let's just work through it logically. If we are loving our neighbor as ourselves... We can't be putting ourselves above our neighbor. That wouldn't make any sense. We couldn't be doing both at the same time, right? We can't love our neighbor as ourselves and try to push our neighbor down so that we can feel superior. Those two things can happen. 
Those two things are impossible to have happen at the same time. So if we're actually following the greatest commandments, we have to reject the vertical greatness and superiority model. We have to, right? If we love our neighbor as ourselves, we'll serve our neighbor and lift our neighbor up. Why would we do that? Because that's what we would want for ourselves. So if we're loving them like we love us, we would treat them like we would want to be treated. It's not complicated to understand, but it's incredibly complicated to do. Especially when everything in our culture is telling us that it's another way. It's another way. These commandments, they completely flip. They completely flip the idea of a vertical line of superiority and greatness. They flip it on its head. Right? We go from our first line, the one that we saw earlier. Greatness, superiority, inferiority, the least, right? And then we go to the true line, which looks like this. One accord. Everyone serving everyone. You'll notice the line is not vertical. There's no way up. There's no ladder. Because there is no up. There is no way. Listen to me. There is no way to increase or decrease the value of a human being. There is no way to increase or decrease the value of a human being. All humans are of infinite value, created by God in his image and likeness. There cannot be a vertical line of value for human beings. The true system is the body of Christ in one accord serving one another. Okay? Even that, we sometimes get jacked up. We're like, well, okay, but isn't there kind of a line like elders or deacons or pastors or youth workers or way down here or whatever it happens to be, right? We, we, we want to make a line even there. We want to make a line even there because if Satan can get himself into the church, into the body of Christ and say, well, isn't there at least some kind of a line? There's not. There are roles in the church, like there are roles anywhere. Like there are roles in your body. I don't eat with my hand, right? I eat with my face, right? I don't walk on my hands. It would be a mess. Some people, I've seen it done. That's not happening, um, right? Our body has roles, not differences in value. Yes, there are certain roles who have authority, which is just a call to greater service. Service, not lording something over anybody. Service, And it's not the authority of the person. It's the authority of Christ, as he tells us, as we've looked at the Great Commission, all authority is given to me, Jesus Christ, and I'm telling you to go. In other words, I'm, you, can, you can have my stamp, some of my authority to do these things, but it's my authority. You don't get to use it as your own. You don't get to use it to harm. You don't get to use it to feel superior. You don't get to use it to be above or to be great. It's I'm the one who's great. I'm the one who's great. There's no vertical line, not in the church. Not anywhere else. We try, this, this happens to us everywhere. I see it. I see it in the world greatly. I even sometimes see it in the church. Those who are made to feel superior or inferior, it's not from God. There's only one place that comes from. There's only one place that comes from. Every role in the church is a role of service. Every role in the church is a role of service. Every part of the body. That means every one of us is important. There's not 
This one's more important and this one's less important. How do we defeat lies? We defeat lies with the truth, right? If we believe a lie, we tell ourselves the truth, we get right. What's the truth? Value is not found in fake vertical lines of greatness, but in who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. Anything else, any other system is a lie. It's a lie. The world wants to rate you. Wants to rate you on things like, oh, how wealthy are you? Oh, did you do something bad in your past or something good in your past? Are you athletic, good-looking, young, old? How much education? And on and on and on and on and on. And then we, then we create these lines. But the thing is so ridiculous. Let me tell you why it's ridiculous. Because everyone draws the vertical line with different values so that the most people possible are below them. I don't know if you ever noticed this. But if you're less wealthy but very good looking, you'll look down on the wealthier person who's not as good looking. So you'll put wealth as something below looks. Or if you are the opposite, you're wealthy but not as good looking, you'll say, well, wealth is more important than good looks. And whatever you do, you're trying to create the line so that you can be above as many people as possible and have as many people as possible below you so that you can feel okay about yourself. You can configure that line a million ways, right? But it's silly and it's sinful. It's silly and it's sinful. People do this. I've seen this. Lately, I think in culture, we've seen it a lot with race and gender, things like that. Especially for those who feel like maybe they're moving down the line a little bit. They're not as high on the line as they think they should be. And so then they start grasping onto things like what color their skin is to try to feel superior to other people because they're scared that they're not as valuable, that they're less valuable than they were one time, or that the, the culture or, or the rules or whatever that's happening in the culture, the way that things are going, they're losing their value. And so they've got to find a way to push more people down and push themselves up. This is wickedness. This is evil, darkness. And this is what the human heart does if we allow ourselves to believe that the system is one of vertical values. It's the opposite of loving your neighbor as yourself, right? And for those who tend to get rated the highest on the vertical line by the most people, the ones who maybe have the most money and are the best looking and have the best job and have the whatever, and people put them up in this place, way up here, because for most people, it's easy to put some people way up here and then some people way down here, the place where they're fighting and, and, and having, having damaging one another is with those who they see as real close to them on the line. As many of those as possible, they want to get below them. But some people happen to get regularly put kind of up high. And the thing is that they have the hardest time accepting this truth about the fact that that vertical line is not what makes your value. Why? Because it benefits them. Because it benefits them, right? They have the hardest time with the truth. It's always hard when you have to give something up. When the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he's like, oh, you've, you know, do all these things. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm perfect. I've never done anything wrong. He's like, okay, go sell all your stuff and follow me. And he's like, well, I don't know about that. Because he had a lot of stuff. And for people in society who tend to have an easier time on this vertical line, they're unlikely to want to see it 
the way that Jesus says it is and the way that it is. They're, they're unlikely to want to see the truth. Who was it that wanted Jesus dead? It was those who stood to lose the most in their minds from the truth on this issue, right? The Pharisees and the leaders of the people, those who lusted after power and authority and praise and superiority, is it any wonder that they're the ones who couldn't stand Jesus, who truly had power and authority and came to say it's all nonsense? That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, with part six of What's Your Unique here on Contemplate. I'm sure that most all of us can relate to this problem of self-worth, and I'm sure we've all been the victims of someone elevating themselves at our expense. And we've probably also been the one putting others down, too. The good news is that it doesn't have to be this way. And Pastor David will teach us more next time. Say, would you like to hear Pastor David in person? Well, here he is with a special invitation. Thanks, Ron. Let me personally invite you to join us here at Axe Church in Camas, Washington. We have a great group of folks here who love to worship Jesus and to love each other. Come see us this Sunday morning. I just know you'll be blessed. Here's Ron with our contact info. Yes, we would love to have you with us. And for directions and all the info you need, go online to axcamus.org. That's axcamus, camus with a C, axcamus.org. Or call us at 360-885-9000. Hope to meet you this Sunday. Well, that wraps up our time for today. I'm Ron Hagelgans, and I hope you'll join us next time for more of What's Your Unique with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.